Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. And in this Haunted Happy Hour, we're going to talk about stigmata. and Spooky shit. I know. Like, it's super <laughs> weird. I, I don't know how much I believe in this, but, like, probably not at all. I don't know. I think people just want to think other people to think that they're holier than them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know though. Like we'll we'll talk about it. There's for the first like 1,200 years after Jesus died, there were no cases of stigmata. So like somebody started the trend, and then everybody else was like, oh, same, you know, <laughs> right, right. But but I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I don't know. But so we're gonna talk about. It. There haven't been a ton of cases. They range from like Saint Francis of Assisi. Is that how you say that? Yes. <laughs> In like what? 1181 to 2016 yes and a side note just because i was am whatever catholic i just wanted to let you know that was actually the name that i was going to choose for my confirmation when you get confirmed in the catholic church you have to choose a saint and you actually get a second middle name my mom's is margaret elizabeth elizabeth was a saint that she chose and i was going to choose francis i didn't get around to it though could didn't get around to confirmation or yeah i didn't want to go anymore and i threw a fit and just stopped going because i was a teenager and could make that decision and then later on as an adult i tried to go back and it was just i wasn't gonna go to class for six months every tuesday and thursday it's like a it's like college for four hours a night to oh. get my confirmation done that's ridiculous nope sorry can't you just go to church Without being confirmed? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can. But if I want all my sacraments, the next one that I need is my confirmation. Really? Yes. And, like, I can't get I, – I didn't. Like, you all know I've been married now, but I and I didn't go to a Catholic church. But if I wanted to get married in the Catholic church because I'm missing my confirmation sacrament, I literally can't. I can't be – I can't have a priest come and bless me when I die and have that as one of my sacraments. Like he can still do it to like forgive my sins and stuff like that, but it can't be one of my sacraments because I'm missing my confirmation. Does Connor have to do that too? That's another reason why we didn't get married in the churches. Cause yes, Connor would have to do the same stuff. He would at least have to be baptized, I think, but me having all my others, I have to be confirmed. So really only one of you growing up in the Catholic Church has to do all of them. He would just need to be baptized. I think so, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> it's kind of like Mormonism, how they go to the temple, you know? And, like, if you – you can't even, like – they get married in the temple. Mm-hmm. And if you're not Mormon, like, you can't even go see them get married. Right. You have to be outside. I actually, yeah. Connor has a friend from work that is Mormon, and so is his wife. And because they had premarital sex, they couldn't get married. In, even though they're Mormon, they couldn't get married in the temple. Oh, yeah. no. That's a big no-no. Yep. No, 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 no. You don't do that. Nope. That's that's like you are not pure enough to get married in the temple. So yep. I didn't have, so I did confirmation as a Protestant, but it was very different. We did like a couple weeks, maybe like a month or two of classes, but it was like once a week and for like an hour once a week. And we just kind of learned about what being a Methodist was. And then like, you're confirmed. And, and it was like mm-hmm. in sixth grade, but you get communion 
literally like no matter what. So like we didn't have a first communion. So they just passed around the plates of bread and orange or excuse me, grape juice. And it was like the shit as a kid. You're like, fuck yeah, grape juice. Like (laughs) from the time you were like, you could take it like literally if you were like two, it didn't matter. So yeah, in the Catholic Church, everything is all about tradition all the time, all about ceremony. So to do it in the right order you I mean you have to have the right clothes and you have to dress up all white and and pretty and lacy and you have parties like confirmation parties and it's like it's a big fucking deal yeah I even like in different parts of you know being Protestant so I was Presbyterian and then when we moved we didn't the Presbyterian church in the city we were in didn't have like a bunch of children so my parents didn't want my brother and I to go there because we wouldn't have a great community but the methodist church is pretty close to presbyterian so we ended up being methodist just you can just pick you know and <laughs> and especially when it's protestant like that but right we, they, my parents never vibed with baptist and so when a lot of my friends like most of where i grew up in forney was baptist and when i was born i was baptized like you didn't wait to be baptized that wasn't something you chose as soon as I was like uh, like a baby baby I got baptized and a lot of my friends which I didn't I was like huh they chose to be baptized they like in being Baptist they had to accept Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior And then they would be baptized, you know, at whatever age that was, whether it was elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever. And then they would, of course, have this big thing in front of the entire church where they would dunk them in the water and, you know, it'd be a whole thing. And I was like, what do you mean you're getting baptized? You know, when they were like 13 or 14 or 16. And I was like, you're not baptized? Like, I I don't remember. I don't remember being baptized. I was a baby. And they were like, no, you choose to be baptized. That's you accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I was like, that's just like reconfirming though. Like, like not confirmation, but like, that's just like, yeah, you know, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but not be baptized because they don't want you to go to hell as an unbaptized baby if you die, you know? like Right. So it's just interesting. Like all, even within like Protestants, there's such different, it's yeah. just, means different things and they're like i'm not saying one is right and one is wrong it's just well i don't necessarily believe any of it anymore but (laughs) it's just interesting because you know when when you think of you know if a baby dies and they're unbaptized they go to hell that's why you baptize baby you know right actually that was a huge problem with my mother when i was growing up because my parents got divorced and my mom moved to colorado from ohio And one of the things with the divorce was the fact that I wasn't allowed to be Catholic. So we had to wait. I think I was like six or seven. Like I was, I was, it was supposed to happen when I was born. And we ended up having to wait because of all the legal stuff for her to be able to do that when I was like six or seven is when I actually got baptized. Yeah, that's. And that's like, I have a friend that has, like, I have a couple friends actually that have the date of their baptism, like tattooed on their body, which is also interesting because it's crazy. It's just interesting because, which is it? You you can't do both, you know. Like, are you Christian or are you? You know. I, but I know that we pick and choose, right? But it, right. That's, that's fine. But well, it depends on what you're picking and choosing, I guess. But <laughs> it's like if I were to do that, it'd be like 
December 1992 because I was born in November 1992 (laughs) you know so it's just it's interesting but I and I remember going to these baptism and it's so this is such a stupid thing but I they dunk these kids and they would just like hold their nose and squeeze their eyelids and it's just a funny like imagery in my head because they're like dunking them underwater and they gotta hold their nose and stuff and then and then you get soaking wet like right in the beginning of the church service like what are you supposed to do yeah no 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 but that's I mean it's a big deal like I'm not knocking anybody well I'm I'm really conflicted in like how I feel about knocking people because like if your religious views hurt people then yeah I'm knocking you (laughs) right but at the same time I don't want my non-religious views to hurt you so it's like I'm not trying to be a bitch but my non-religious views I am not judging anybody or being like fuck you for being gay or whatever you know typically non-religious views don't hurt people that's the anyways we're here to talk about stigmata that's true (laughs) so anyways stigmata if you don't know what that is basically people there's actually a horror movie called stigmata yes there is which i don't know if we're ever going to talk about it but we might as well someday we definitely should i have seen it and it's one of those that i end up rewatching every few years going oh my god did i like it or not i don't remember i have stigmata pulled up here it's got patricia arquette in it patricia arquette yep yep i would definitely well we should yeah 1999 just a a perfect era for horror (laughs) (laughs) right so stigmata is basically in christianity bodily it's like wounds that mimic the wounds of christ when he was crucified now there is also a lot of debate on what those wounds of crucifixion actually were which is also interesting when it comes up as is a hoax or not because some people believe they were in the palms of the hands and some people believe they were in the wrist they couldn't have been in the palms of the hands. But that's where you see a lot of these stigmata wounds come up, you know? Yes. Now let's actually talk about that for a second uh, since we brought it up. It it literally, when Jesus, when everyone that was crucified by the Romans were crucified, it had to have been in the wrist, not in the palm of the hand, because the palm of the hand, it would tear through your fingers, the nail, by the weight of your own body so it literally could not hold you up it had to have been through the wrist which is so interesting because some films get that right mm-hmm. and some films get it very wrong mm-hmm. because the if you literally touch the the skin of your hand right now you could if you squeezed it your fingers are not that far apart exactly you know what i mean and so that's why it's interesting when people claim to have stigmata wounds and then they're like the palms of my hands you're like no okay then you're wrong you're just really religious and wanted this right and that's when you can really say like okay this was a this that that's you're lying right now when people claim to have stigmata and they're highly religious like some of these saints and other things usually they get it right Mm -hmm. you know and but there are others that you know will talk about like there is this one case i'm not gonna there's this a woman in 2016 that claimed to have had it and she literally showed pictures of her hands bleeding in the palms of her hands right i don't know if you looked that one up as well Kristen, but i i did see some stigmata pictures and i know that there were a couple that were in the hands and i'm like okay no no that's not how that would even work you know and i'm I, it, it, yeah it's just like it had to have been lower down because you have to 
it, and crucifixion is a horrible like I cannot imagine literally like and some people were you know hung from a cross terror like I that's actually one thing with my you know I don't know moving away from religion that I've been thinking of more and more is how weird it is that a crucifix is <laughs> the thing for Christianity like the fact that someone died on that and it, it's not like the loaves and fishes or anything like that that's Jesus's symbol no no it's him dying that is so fucked up it is his worst time ever and everyone's like let's wear it around our necks that has actually been brought up a lot. You're you're totally right. I've I have been really immersed in the last year. It's, quarantine was great for me in a <laughs> lot of ways and horrible for me in a lot of other ways. But a lot of soul searching, if you will, you know, in the term soul searching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of people are like, y'all fucking wear a torture device around your neck. <laughs> yes. What other religion does that? Like Buddhism, Hinduism, nobody else has that fucking shit. It's so creepy. It, it is when you really think about it, you know, and they, you see these, especially in Texas and I'm sure in a lot of other places too, but I am from Texas. So I've seen this, but I'm sure in a lot of places in the South, it's like there are people on their own private land and you'll just be driving. And Kristen, you may have seen this because we road tripped through Texas. Mm-hmm. You'll be driving at night, for example. And there you're driving through. Basically, there's just all these like random hilly places. They'll fucking put the three crosses up on a hill and light them up. That's so creepy to me. Like, even just my drive from Pueblo to Colorado Springs, there are two huge, huge crosses that I pass on the highway that are just put up on somebody's land. And that freaks me the hell out for a couple reasons. First of all, I guess you're ready if we go back to crucifixion. Like, you already got it fucking set up. Also, if you just burn it, it's just like putting it on, you know, a black person's land and fucking lighting that shit up. It's just so creepy. It's so deathy. And it's so like, I am offended when there's these big crosses. Like one of them is actually in front of a church and I'm still offended when I see it now. And I don't think that that's just because I don't hate religion that much to be offended by what you want to do for your church. But it's just so creepy that someone and not just Jesus, lots of fucking people died that way in a terrible, terrible way. And you're just like, yeah, let's just uh, put that in the front lawn. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. (laughs) Stunning. What the hell? (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, too. Like it. I get it. I guess to an extent, it's like this, this act that he did on the cross is there like, you know, this is what saved us. You know, here's the thing though, that really irks me. And I've talked about this before. And I know that we've kind of debated this a little bit between you and I, Mm -hmm. and for what, like, because God said you're condemned unless he dies on the cross then fuck god (laughs) i don't know like i i just it it just bothers me and like the whole principle of it all i guess and you know i I just it's hard to explain i i understand like i it is essentially a torture device jesus happened to die on it yes correct and (laughs) he he died on it for your sins and that is what makes the cross gave it a new meaning you know but the what you know the cross itself doesn't irk me quite as much the fact that the the crucifix the and this is mostly him on it his dead body on it correct that so creepy 
that's what really like, and that's mostly a Catholic thing, but also we have, we have it as well. Like typically Protestants don't wear the crucifix, but it's in our church or not, I'm not, but it's in the churches, you know, mm-hmm. usually if you walk into a Protestant church, you'll see like a big cross, but you're not going to see the crucifix, you know? Right. Yeah. So. My world was all about the crucifix. Like, fucking you have the stations of the cross all around while you're praying and you're watching him get put up on this thing and then right in front of you there he is on the fucking thing and then you know you're also praying and you're using a rosary which has the little crucifix at the end which is also fucked up because a rosary has (laughs) has a bunch of beads and then it comes down to a symbol of his mother Mary for his mother, which is awesome. That's cool. Pray to the mom. That's great. But then a few beads down, you have her son dead on a cross. Like that is so fucked up. <laughs> you know, I it's and that's another thing. Like we as I, I've been to a Catholic church a few times, and it was just as a kid, and I felt so out of place, and I was like, I'm doing something wrong, and they're gonna hate me because they would pray to Mary and these, uh, all these other things. And that's not something that we, that we did as Protestants. Mm -hmm. It was very like, you just pray to God. That's the period. You know what I mean? Right. That's actually something that I've always been upset with for Catholicism, especially to say that you are a monotheistic religion. You are not, you are not a monotheistic religion because you pray to all these other saints. How is that? How is that monotheism? You know, that's interesting because like you have one God, but then you have these like, it's almost like deities. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like you pray to Mary for this one thing. There are, there are gods that you pray to for sick children. And I I said gods, sorry, there are saints, but they're like gods that you pray to, to help your sick child. Yeah. Like in Greek, you know, or in, yeah, it's just like, okay, so you pray to them for a fruitful harvest. And right, <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It, Christianity and Catholicism are not different than any other religion. They right. think they are, but they're not. <laughs> That's just all it comes down to mm-hmm. really. It, it's that they just are what they are. Religion is religion across the board, period. They just think they're different because they're, they have a superiority complex. Yeah. And I always try, God, we haven't even gotten to stigmatas. I'm sorry, you guys. I always try to look at the fact that especially Catholicism, because Catholicism came right from paganism. So it's like the first one. And then, you know, Christianity and all the offshoots, Protestantism, all of that stuff came from Catholicism. So Catholicism, when I look at it with all the saints, I also try to look at the fact historically what was happening and they were trying to push this new religion on a people that had all those Roman deities that already were worshiping all these people. So of course they were like, oh, we have that. We just, it's just this St. Peter that, that does the same thing. So you can totally do the, do whatever you want. Just come here. Like I said, it's all the same. Yeah. It's like, we're all just built up of all the same shit over time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's just all morphed. And that's why it's hard to, like, I don't fault people for, like, looking to believe in something until it starts harming other people. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and there were two co-hosts, and they pretty much believed the same thing. One of them was just a little harsher about it than the other. One of them Me. basically, well, I don't know about this particular <laughs> thing. So Uh-oh. one of them basically said, if it, so they had, call, they had, it was like a call-in type podcast. Okay. 
and this person was calling in. This podcast was called the modern day atheist and this person called in and they were basically having people call in as in like, uh, what, why can't you, when you pretty much don't believe, why can't you let go? What's like the last thing that's keeping you from letting go? And basically this person was like, essentially in a long winded type conversation, they just, it, it gives them some last string of comfort because death is scary. You know, mm-hmm. one of the co-hosts was like, you know, I'm all about like, if it brings you comfort, then it's okay. The other host was like, I don't subscribe to that. If you are a skeptic, your whole thing is about, I am going to believe what is truest. You know, if, if I'm all about seeking out the truth and it doesn't provide me with anything that is going to, it's hard to like his words were a lot better than mine, but it's like, she said, if it brings you comfort, it's okay. And he said, I mean, whatever, but I don't, I don't agree with that because it's not doing you a service, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it was just very interesting because I, I'm kind of, I split the difference on that a little bit because I think that people need comfort and religion. That's what I was How is getting comfort not doing you a service? Well, be, uh, he basically was saying like, it's not, it's, if it's not being a skeptic is all about finding the truest line of reasoning and if it if it cannot provide you any proof and it cannot provide you any benefit and you're just constantly shifting around on sand to try to find something and it's then it's not helpful to you and so I'd have I'll have to send you the clip or play it or something but and he wasn't being a dick about it he was just like you know that he doesn't think and in this case he was like I totally understand that as far as being scared of death but he said when people hold on to something that they can't prove just because it's been in their family for a long time or because it's just what's comfortable especially when it's harmful to other people like when they're denying people rights and when we're talking about like conservative christians then that's fucked but that's Mm -hmm. a different story but i i kind of split the difference on that because i think if it's harmless and it provides you with comfort then then you keep it to, you know, if you keep it in, you know, close to you, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's when it's projected on other people. That's when it gets a little. Agreed. A little Agreed. I don't need you judging me or like, especially working in billing. Occasionally I would open checks and freaking patients would send in their Jesus pamphlet. And that is just so ridiculous. Nobody wants it. No, it's going to get thrown in the trash. Do you realize that nobody's reading it? That. And it's like, this is like primarily a christian not it is not a christian nation as in a like theist nation but like most people here are christian so mm-hmm. if you think that we have just walked around never hearing the word of god you're you're lying to yourself right you're not doing the lord's work here maybe right. you think you are but it's already been done right also as a catholic you spewing that shit is pretty offensive so could you back up thanks yeah. And also you'd get mad if you got something in the mail and it was like saying Allah loves you from Right. Exactly. But they have the exact same rights that you do, but you would get fucking pissed about it. So yes. when the tables are turned, you can't get fucking mad about it, but you do. Mm-hmm. You know. Well stigmata. <laughs> but now that we're half an hour in, we're sorry, but y'all had to know reading stigmata that it was gonna get religious. <laughs> 
you know, I didn't intend for that when I was like, let's do a haunted happy hour on Stigmata. <laughs> I truly find it fascinating on like a human level that mm-hmm. people believe that they have gotten this because it's seen as a miracle and a blessing mm-hmm. when people receive this, you know, and we'll get into it, but it's very like, if this shit happened to me, I would be like, oh, I'm the, this is devil. This is yes. the devil's work. I would not see this. I wouldn't be like, I am holy. No, no. Yes. Especially because lots of people that go through this don't survive it. So how is that any different than, say, a possession? It's not, in my opinion. Yeah. I would not want to be possessed by Jesus anymore that I would want to be possessed by the devil. Let's be honest. <laughs> right. Like, I, they both, no. Hell sounds terrible, but the heaven that the Bible paints is like worshiping someone for eternity. It doesn't sound that great either. So <laughs> I don't want to go to either. <laughs> if I had a choice, I think at this point, which is something that is bringing me comfort about kind of breaking away from my religion. It's like, I don't want either one of them. So if it's eternal blackness over these two things, I think I'm okay with that. To be honest. Yeah. Agreed. So the first one we're going to talk about is St. Francis of Assisi and St. Francis Basically, he was the first ever to receive this blessing, and people have been following in his footsteps for forever. He is a saint now, but Francis was a sinner in his early life. And this is interesting because I don't know anything about these saints. So this is like a we're talking about the history because if you're not brought up Catholic, you may not know anything about these people. Like I don't. So born in Italy in 1181, St. Francis was well known for his extreme drinking and or partying. He's a party boy. He was a rich kid, actually, kind of like the Buddha. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. After fighting in a battle between Assisi and Perugia, is that how you say that? Perugia? St. Francis was imprisoned for ransom for a year. During this time of imprisonment, he started receiving visions from God. According to legend, after he was released, Christ told St. Francis to devout himself to him, repair the Christian church, and live a life of poverty. St. Francis then abandoned his frivolous life and became a devotee of the faith, preaching and teaching all over the Christian world. He remained a pious devotee for as long as he lived, maintaining his poverty and living the life of a Christian. In 1224, he made the ultimate sacrifice to devotion by undertaking a journey and fasting, which is... Why do people... Is that supposed to bring you, like, spiritual cleansing or something? Is that the... Probably a lot of it with fasting, especially in spiritual ways, can cause, like, hallucinations sometimes. So it probably does feel closer. Because you're hallucinating. Got mm-hmm. He left to climb climb a mountain from Mount Laverna for a 40-day fast. How do you not die? One day during his fast, near the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, a six-winged angel a hallucination, allegedly appeared to St. Francis while he prayed. The angel, as observed by St. Francis, bore the wounds of crucifixion. On September 14th, St. Francis received the first marks of stigmata, having the sacred wounds appear on his hands, feet, and sides. These wounds stayed on and bled continuously for two years up until his death. It is a simple tale, but some believe that this first case of stigmata can actually be traced back to disease. St. Francis suffered from many ailments during his lifetime. Historian Dr. Edward Frederick Harting even diagnosed St. Francis with a debilitating eye disease known as trachoma. Besides this eye infection, it is also believed that St. Francis stigmata was due to a severe case of malignant malaria, which causes hemorrhaging of blood through the skin in a medical condition known as purpurea. Strangely enough, 
This is usually distributed symmetrically on the hands and feet. Interesting. So, you know. That's interesting as shit. The hands, right? So, I mean, St. Francis, the only, I mean, we have a hospital named after him. That's all I know (laughs) about St. Francis here. But I, I think, look, it's another, it's another one of those things where it's like, it, here come, here come, like if it brings people comfort to believe this, but also if it's not true, you're just believing a lie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard. It's a hard because people, some people, it is totally benign to believe this, and some people do a lot of harm believing shit like this. So mm-hmm. that's not shit. It's just like, or maybe it is. That's just people. There are good people and there are bad people. Yeah. What I like about St. Francis is that he really loved animals. So that's why I wanted to go with him. And even if people like, I don't like in this case, I don't think he was lying. I think that he truly believed. Now the people that straight up lie about this shit, that's a different story. But like St. Francis wasn't lying about this, whether it was a disease or it wasn't, he truly believed this was happening, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, but like there are people that have just straight up lied about it. So definitely. So my first one is St. Catherine de Ricci. St. Catherine de Ricci, baptized as Alexandrina, was born in Florence, Italy in 1952. Long before her time as a saint, Catherine showed great dedication to the Catholic religion. As a small child, she showed great interest in prayer, and at a mere six years of age, her father placed Catherine in a convent with her aunt, Luisa de Ricci. At 14, she was chosen as mistress of novices and then as perpetual prioress at 25. That all seems pretty normal for the life of a saint, but things took a turn when St. Catherine started up with her ecstasies of passion. From 1542 to 1554, every Thursday and Friday, Catherine would go into a trance in which she would experience the events of Christ's passion and would act out those events. During this time, St. Catherine also experienced the stigmata. She would show bloody wounds on her hands, feet, and head, depicting the crucifixion. With the power of the stigmata and the intensity of St. Catherine's passions of Christ, she passed into a mystical marriage with Jesus, and in 1542, she was given a ring to symbolize that she was a bride of Christ. As her mystical marriage and stigmata continued, revelers would come from far and wide to see St. Catherine during her passionate moments, but people were so disturbed by her stigmatic wounds and her behaviors during her flights of ecstatic passion that they finally quit coming to see her. Wouldn't you know it? When the crowd stopped coming, so did the stigmata and the passions. Hmm. See, it's it's very interesting because, like, again, with St. Francis, it's like, okay, he could have had a disease. Like, that's fair. But you don't know that when you're in such, I'm sorry, but primitive times, especially for medical. But, like, that one, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. The one that's actually interesting to me is, and this is how I look at all religion, is the history part of it because what I what they just talked about in here was her wearing the the mystical marriage with Jesus and she was given a ring to symbolize that all nuns now have that ring when they actually become a nun they are given a ring as the bride of Christ a bride of Christ all nuns are a bride of Christ and I think that's interesting in 1542 to see where that started Hmm. interesting Mm mm-hmm Teresa Newman was born in 1898 in Bavaria and was the oldest of 10 children. Dude, this picture of her is insane. Like, 
I'm going to probably put some of these on Instagram because yikes. <laughs> She's so bloody. That's coming out of her eyes, bro. Ooh, is that the white one? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Being the eldest child, she was often put in charge of taking care of her siblings, especially after her father was called to serve in World War One. But taking care of children wasn't her first calling. Her true ambition was to become a missionary sister in Africa. Sadly, in 1918, she was injured during a fire, causing her to suffer partial paralysis of the spine and later blindness. Okay, that could explain bleeding from the eyes, depending on what the condition is. The formerly hardy girl was left bedridden and unable to work. Since she couldn't work, she took up the next best thing, intense religious devotion. She was especially enamored with St. Therese of, I'm assuming Teresa, she's spelled differently, of Lasalle. While lying in her bed on May 17, 1925, she heard the voice of newly canonized St. Teresa of LaSalle. She asked her if she wanted to be better and, of course, answered yes. The saint told her she could now stand and see, but she would still suffer, and suffer she did, because she was about to get the shock of her life and receive the stigmata. On the first day of Lent in 1926, while ill with the flu, she was alone in her room when she experienced a divine ecstasy. As the day went on, she discovered bloody marks on her nightgown on her side and above her heart. The stigmata had chosen her. The side wound continually wept blood, and on the oh, I like that sentence, wept blood. And on the third day of Lent, the hand wounds appeared, followed by tears of blood the next day. The saint said she'd suffer, and it did not stop. Later in the year, she finally received her bloody crown of thorns. The wounds never healed, and they stayed on her body until her death. Dealing with the stigmata is bad enough, but the saint came to her during her suffering time and told her, no more earthly food. You'll survive on the Eu Eucharist? Mm -hmm. Okay, That's when you take communion. That's the yeah. little wafers. I figured. I just didn't know what they were called. <laughs> It is claimed that after this, she didn't eat anything other than that Holy Eucharist every day until, and drank no water from 1926 onward. Given that she lived until 1962, being a stigmatic is apparently a very thirsty job. <laughs> Yikes. And uh, like that picture is like. Yes. Now, as a art history person, I want to do another aside. I'm sorry, you guys. But. We've talked about it twice now, and this ecstasy of passion. And you can actually see a statue of that, and there is a statue called the Ecstasy of St. Teresa that was done by Bernini. So he was one of the big Renaissance sculptors, and you can literally look at it, and I love to see it because it's she's getting ready to be pierced in the heart with an arrow but she literally looks like she's having an orgasm so it's like the ecstasy passion that we're hearing about that's what i'm imagining it's like this terrible painful thing but almost so painful it feels good that these people are going through that's what i want <laughs> like pain so bad that it never uh... <laughs> i'm just gonna Stop talking. <laughs> All right. Next one. Natuza Evulu. Natuza Evulu was born in Calabria in August 23rd, 1924. Born into a fatherless family wrought with poverty, Evulu and her siblings were known locally as bastard children. Poverty kept Evulu from school, and she was illiterate her entire life. Often described as a serene child, Evulu began praying to the Virgin Mary at an early age for relief from her strife. 
At six years old, she was given the gift of being able to see Jesus, the Virgin Mary, angels, and saints. Her pastor at the time, though impressed by the gift the child had received, told her to keep all this information to herself for her own safety. In 1934, Natuza's mother was arrested, and she and her siblings were cast out by the landlady. With nowhere to sleep or stay safe, Evulu prayed to the Madonna to keep her safe and find her shelter. Apparently, while praying, Evulu heard the, a voice say, Courage, I will find you a place to live. A few days later, she was safe and sound in a communal dwelling. Things in Evulu's life got a bit more spiritual in the years to come. Throughout her life, she still spoke with Jesus and the Virgin Mary, but she was also afflicted with the markings of Christ. The stigmata ravaged her body and made her painful and bloody every Friday and through the entirety of Lent. During those times, she would lock herself away because the pain from the stigmata was too much for her to bear. Her stigmatic wounds were very profound in that they had the ability to produce hemography or writing produced by blood. Starting at age 16, Avulu would experience writing and symbols being produced from the blood which wept from her stomatic wounds. Any linen, garment, or other material that touched her weeping skin would come away with markings that were always Christian in nature. Many wanted their own pieces of homography from Avulu, but they could never be produced on the spot. The miraculous writing ability took place on and off during her entire life until death in 2009. The power of her blessing of stigmata as well as her talks with Jesus and his mother were compounded by the fact that they gave Avulu the power to heal. She could apparently look directly at a person and thoroughly diagnose what was causing their ailments using correct medical terminology. Avulu would then tell them how to cure themselves. If healing wasn't good enough, Avulu could tell them the future and spoken languages she had never heard before. Remember that Avulu was illiterate. How could someone with no formal training know multiple languages but not be able to read or write? She never accepted money for her work and had many devout followers. Today, she still has devotees who worship her via her Immaculate Heart of Mary, Refuge of Souls Foundation, which she established during her life. Miracle workers are fantastic hoaxer. Her devotees believe in her powers, while doubters are unsure. The secret died with Avulu. I'm a doubter. <laughs> It'd be a cool movie, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the fact that she was illiterate brings something to it. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe when she hides herself away on Friday nights with the stigmata, she's teaching herself to read. Uh, you know, and I'm... Oh, God. Especially... Who knows? Maybe the priest is bringing her books and shit. <laughs> right. Maybe if... She, so if she made money, I would be a little bit more skeptical. But if she didn't, then... Um, mm -hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Francis Forgione, later known as Padre Pio, and then Saint Pio, was born May 25th in Italy. His parents entrusted his life to Saint Francis of Assisi, which is why he was baptized as Francis the day after his birth. Apparently, a disruptive baby, Francis would cry <laughs> endlessly. His father, frustrated by the continuous crying, is quoted as saying, It seems like the devil has been born in my house. From that point on, Francis never cried like that ever again. Okay, so just call your kids Satan. And <laughs> They'll shut up. Yeah. All right. Good to know. A member of a deeply religious family, Francis spent much time at the Church of St. Mary of the Angels. He was baptized, received his first communion, and was confirmed there. A young, pious child, he saw an apparition of the Sacred Heart of Jesus at a mere five years of age. 
He told Francis that he would be his follower for life. Dedicating his life at that age marked him forever, and Francis began having visions of the Virgin Mary, which would continue his entire life. A busy five-year-old, Francis also made a deal with his guardian angel with whom he could communicate and follow all of the missions of God. At the age of 16, Francis entered the novitiate of the Houston Friars, and he took the Franciscan habit and the name Brother Pio. He took his vows on January 27, 1907, and became an ordained priest on August 10, 1910. In September of the same year, he was sent to the friary of St. Giovanni Rotondo, where he remained until his death in 1968. In 1910, Padre Pio first started receiving the marks of the stigmata. He wrote a letter to his spiritual director at the time discussing the red stains in the middle of his hands accompanied by intense pain. These wounds and pains came and went, leaving Pio with only the memory of the marks. The stigmata was not through with Padre Pio, however. After having his heart experience, transverberation, or the lance of love, the stigmata made its appearance again, and this time for good. A month after experiencing the transverberation, Padre Pio received his first visual markings of Christ's passion. Padre Pio described the occurrence of the stigmata in great detail in a letter to his director. He recounted a great blinding light and Christ bleeding from him internally. Rays of light came out from his feet, hand, and side. After the vision had ended, he found himself upon the floor with bleeding wounds. Through the pain, he prayed hymns of gratitude to God. He followed Capuchins, marveled by the appearance of Christ's passion, had religious medical professionals examine him, and they decided that the marks were definitely of divine origin. People became obsessed with him and his stigmata. They flocked from all over the world to gaze on him and his newly acquired abilities. After receiving the stigmata, Padre Pio confirmed he, he ugh, Padre Pio could perform miracles. He was an avid healer of the masses and in many instances was claimed to be able to levitate. However, his popularity became a concern for the church and they limited access to him. More investigations were done to confirm the authenticity of the stigmata. In 1934, years after the church came to terms with his stigmata and his fame, it let Padre Pio assume his, they let him assume his duties again. Though canonized and revered as a saint, he is still touted as a fraud. A historian released a book entitled Padre Pio, Miracles and Politics in a Secular Age, which has information from the Vatican archives, which supposedly proves he acquired and maimed himself with carbolic acid to produce his wounds. Jesus. These allegations are nothing new where Padre Pio is concerned, as two successive popes thought he was a religious fraud and the stigmata a hoax. A real spiritual marvel or a well-prepared hoaxer. The texts of the religious say one thing, those of historians another. But he is a saint with a suspicious history. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. The fact that a couple popes were even like, no, no, that's a fake. I respect them, though, because they need to protect their religion you know like mm -hmm. if a bunch of hoaxers are just walking around being like i will heal you i have stigmata that's damaging yes definitely you know? people already are like mm. but at least they were like i don't know man all right so i'm gonna struggle with this name also this is from croatia and uh yeah zlatko sudak was born in 1971 in Verbnik on Kirk Island, Croatia. He served in the Yugoslav army in his younger years, and in 1993, he began studying the Roman Catholic priesthood. Within five years, Sudak was ordained as a 
Diocian priest and started serving the community in Kirk. After being instated as a priest, Sudak found himself busy with parish life, and nothing seemed amiss until the next year, when things took an unexpected turn. On April 7, 1999, Sudak received the first mark of the stigmata. It took the form of a cross imprinted deeply on his forehead. Concerned for Sudak, his bishop sent him to a clinic in Rome. He remained there for 40 days, and he was tested and investigated intensely. Though it was not concluded that the mark was of divine origin, the hospital and doctors explained that there was no medical reason behind the marking of the cross on Sudak's forehead. Nearly a year after the cross imprinted on his forehead, what if he just, like, fell asleep on one? <laughs> and he walked up to his bishop and his bishop was like get the fuck out of here <laughs> you know what <laughs> oh sorry all right <clears throat> nearly after nearly a year after the cross imprinted on his forehead sudak was marked again this time by true stigmata markings on october 4th 2000 sudak received the wounds of christ on his feet wrists and side that's one that you don't actually see a lot but i feel like that's like towards true stigmata once it gets on the side or they actually get the crown of thorn marks on their head stuff like mm -hmm. that yeah coincidentally this is the same time same day of the feast of saint francis of assisi the first known stigmatist along with his stigmata the power of mysticism flows in the body of Su sudak it is claimed that sudak has the gift of illumination the reading of souls the odor of sanctity and by location, which is the act of being in two places simultaneously. Being young and bearing the stigmata, Sudak has followers all over the world. People line up for days to attend his masses. Church officials are quoted as saying, no church is big enough for Sudak now. People are intrigued and mystified by Sudak's stigmata, and they clamor to churches to view him. Ironically, Sudak doesn't show his stigmata marks during his masses, which seems to be the reason devotees are showing up in the first place. Until 2010, Sudak was a retreat leader at Bethany Retreat House on the island of Lusinge. Along with being a priest and stigmata bearer, he also has an affinity for art and creates pieces for churches and private homes. Stigmata and art, devotees and money, these are apparently matches made in heaven. Ugh, anything in money. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, tax the churches, am I right? <laughs> I know it's a different country, but they've been making money from. I'm not saying all hoaxes, but you know, so tax them, right? Different conversation, but different things. Dif different things, <laughs> uh, you know. Tax the churches. Agreed. I don't <laughs> see why they don't need to be. Yeah, for huge reasons like freaking Scientology. <laughs> yeah, Scientology getting you know. Being religious means they don't have to pay taxes and they just keep that money. The Exorcisters is a religious institution now. <laughs> right? We don't make enough money to pay taxes, but if we did, we are a religious <laughs> institution. So, Marie Rose Farron, known lovingly in history as Little Rose, was born on May 24, 1902 in Quebec, Canada. At age three, her family moved to the United States, taking up residence in Massachusetts. She is the first documented person in the United States to bear the markings of the stigmata. Rose, along with her other 14 siblings, were all dedicated to one of the mysteries of the rosary by their mother. Rose was dedicated to the crucifixion of Christ. That's weird. Do you dedicate your children to, is that like a normal thing? 
I don't know what that is at all. <laughs> right. Maybe in the 1920s? I don't know. Okay. By six years of age, Rose was already very pious. I thought pious meant something different until, like, it sounds like it means something like, you are pious. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it sounds like it should mean, like, like demon, like demonic or something, you know? I know it doesn't, but it just sounds Interesting. like it, it means something like, you're pious. You, you <laughs> pious piece of garbage. Like, <laughs> Rose was already very pious and was seeing visions of the child Jesus. At seven, Rose was taught by Jesus himself a French prayer that she said every day until her death. At 13, Rose became ill and her hand and foot became paralyzed. The Holy Spirit pulled through again for Marie as she took holy water one morning after Mass and her hand instantly worked perfectly. Sadly, the holy water only helped with her hand and she began to remain on crutches for nearly 12 years. Beginning at age 24, she began experiencing Christ's pain as well as stigmata. Why would Christ want people to feel that? I just... You already died for them. Just leave them alone. You know? Right. In 1926, the stigmata of flagellation appeared as lashings on her back. God. See? Like, in 1920, that's just like, you know, like sadists and masochists. Is that what they got going on here? Well, that's what I've always thought, is that it feels like those, because I've told, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, and I'm sorry if you're one of these people, but, like, those freaks that will hurt themselves, like, like we just saw in St. Maud, where she put the pins in the shoes. Like, that's a real thing. Like, for that, Jesus? That is, yes, that is a real thing in the Catholic religion of people trying to... Kristen, I thought you were about to come for people that did BDSM, and I was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 <laughs> Like, real, like, there are priests that will do this shit, and I'm sorry, that is freaky. What are you doing? And it's like they're trying to get to Christ's pain, so they will constantly keep themselves in pain like there are things that they will like garter belts almost but there are things that they will wrap around their legs mm -hmm. that will just constantly hurt them it's just nails digging into them yeah. and it almost feels like that yeah yeah exactly man i'm glad you weren't about to be like those freaks that like whip each other in bed <laughs> listen Kristen, dude <laughs> grab my hair hard like choke me out i do not care what you do in the bedroom okay <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just keep it in the bedroom, though. Don't subject people. That's to all people. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not saying, like, your sexuality, but, like, I've seen people that, like, it's just weird when, like, you go out in public and you, like, never, like, don't leash and walk somebody yeah, on all fours no. in public. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Where were we? In 1927, the stigmatic, odd, stig stigmatic odds were raised as Rose began to show the crucifixion marks of Christ, weeping marks on her hands and feet. In January 1928, Christ's crown of thorns were starting to make its mark on Rose's head. August 1929 marked the first time that Rose cried tears of blood from her eyes. Rose stopped displaying the signs of stigmata on August 1st, 1930, but the pain she felt rose to its highest intensity. She suffered crippling agony, and her stigmata wounds would turn purple and ooze in unidentified... This says serum, but, like, gross. Yeah, totally gross. <laughs> it was around the time that rumors began to circulate that all her wounds were faked and that her pain was a hoax. Even many family members turned against her. Her spiritual advisor at the time, Father Joseph Burrill, even told Rose that her spiritual life was built on false foundations, and she began to believe that she was possibly deceived by some illusion. She's like, what if it's, what if it's the fucking devil, you know? 
Through her stigmatic time, through her stigmatic time, and then afterward, while being considered a fraud, Rose was constantly in contact with Christ. She asked him once during one of her ecstasies how much longer it would be until she met him in heaven, and he told her she would die at 33. In August 1936, a month before her 34th birthday, Rose began to show increasingly intense symptoms, first fainting, followed by the inability to eat or drink, and a headache so intense she was unconscious frequently. Lastly, Rose went deaf and blind. She died on May 11th. She almost missed the 33-year mark set by Jesus. Was this girl a true stigmatic plague with ecstasies of the strife of Christ, or was she the fraud that everyone thought she was at the end of her life? Yeah. I mean... She could have just, like, killed herself just by, like, not eating and stuff, you know? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I don't know. Or the brain just does, like, a lot of weird shit. Just the fact that she believed that she would die before she was 34. She's like, I'm going to die at 33. Yeah. Period. End of discussion. And then she did. Yeah. And she could have faked being deaf and blind. That being said, though, you could, like, if somebody was, like, I'm blind, if you go to, like, punch him in the face, they're probably going to flinch. So. Jesus. <laughs> I wonder if Take would... this. Yeah. Why would you punch a blind person? No, I'm not saying you punch a blind person. I'm just saying if somebody. She could have been a blind person. You just punched her in the face. Well, okay. So what about this? <laughs> somebody says, like, oh, my God, I'm blind after waking up one day and being a seeing person their whole life just throw something at him like like a i have a makeup brush next to me i'll just throw this makeup brush at you and if you fucking catch it you're not blind you know and if it hits you in the face then i'm sorry i hit a blind person be like okay cool you're not lying (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny i'm sorry about you saint Gemma galgany was born on march 12 1878 near lucca italy Inspired greatly by her devoutly religious mother, of course, Galgani developed an intense love for Jesus at an early age. At a mere eight years old, she lost her mother, and her father sent her to Catholic boarding school, which Galgani described as paradise. She received her first communion at nine, which was earlier than most. She spoke to her meeting with Jesus at the time and said that no one could understand the impact he made on her soul. On January 8, 1899, after receiving communion, Galgani experienced her first religious ecstasy, in which the Virgin Mary appeared, opened her dress, and wrapped Galgani in it. This was the beginning of her religious experience with spiritual beings. That same time, Galgani received the stigmata. Galgani claims that Jesus came with her with all his wounds open, but instead of blood, she saw flames. The flames then reached for Jesus and touched her, marking her hands, feet, and heart with the passion wounds. Blood poured from the wounds and the pain was intense, but luckily Galgani was apparently assisted to bed that night by her guardian angel and the Virgin Mary. Though the stigmata is a blessed thing to many, Galgani was of poor health and said she couldn't deal with it. Her priest told her to pray the wounds away, and it apparently worked, leaving only the scars that would remain with her until her death. Galgani died of tuberculosis at age 25. Known for her patience and gentility, along with her blessed markings, Galgani was made a saint. Of the many cases of stigmata, Galgani's account, though still very supernatural, was one of humility. She wanted it to go away. She didn't flaunt it as so many others had. Well, I mean, so she didn't flaunt it? Hmm. You know, we love a humble queen. (laughs) I mean, that's like, it does seem to add a little bit of credibility, I guess, you know? 
Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a good point because you would think that, I mean, since it's so uncommon and especially got so many people, so much fame, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you really wanted to, you could make some fucking, like a lot of people were like, yes, come pay to see me, you know? Yeah, definitely. Seems to be the most like chill of all of (laughs) ones we've talked about, you know? Yeah. I mean, I want to believe in this stuff, so maybe that's the closest we have. Yeah. Also, it's weird that we call it religious ecstasy being crucified, you know? I mean... (laughs) It's just more BDSM and... We just fetishize Jesus. It's just weird. And it just feels like more of the women are have been beat and trigger warning for a second raped and put through these brutal things for so long for our entire history i could see us internalizing that as something good also needing to to turn it around i mean choking getting hit getting spit on like those are things people enjoy you know what i mean like right and i'm not saying anything i don't personally enjoy getting spit on i'm just saying like right like i i I just said that like choke me out that's cool but i almost wonder if you know evolution has caused women to kind of internalize that to be a good thing because it happened as a bad thing for so long right like that's that's definitely not always right there's like definitely like a man is dominant woman is submissive energy in in the bedroom you know there's like top bottom energy if you will and i'm a hundred percent like i'm a bottom fuck me up you know like right and and that's just i i you know like it is i don't want to be in control and that's like and in like a personality way i'm very like fuck you i'm independent like but then (laughs) when you take it there it's like uh uh-uh you know what I mean? Like, and I know that's not what we're talking about with Jesus, but you know, it's just, it is. Well, obviously he hurts you real good. So (laughs) it is what we're talking about with Jesus. Maybe that's why people want to go to heaven. (gasps) We figured it out. We fucking figured it out. Jesus is a pimp. He said, worship me, but in like the get on your knees. I mean, I'd go to that religion. I hope my mom never listens to that. <laughs> if she was mad at me before for not being religious, now she's like, you. Oh, yeah. What we just said right there means if if this is real, we go to hell. Like, yeah. You can always. Blasphemy. You can always repent, Kristen. <laughs> if oh, hit- not in my religion. Oh, really? To a point. I'm like, pretty- there's a lot of repenting. I'm pretty sure that, like, you haven't murdered somebody. I'm pretty sure that, like, they say that murderers can repent. So, like, you know. I mean, I still have all the circles of hell and murderers are down there. I guess. Sloth. Like, me just lazing around on the couch. Yeah, I'm going to hell. I cannot believe that, bro. I'm, like, sloth, gluttony, pride, like... For somebody that hates myself a lot, I have a weird God complex. <laughs> it's so interesting. Like, I'm like, yeah, I fucking hate myself, but also, like, 
you can't fucking touch me. You know, like, like <laughs> <laughs> right. It, I, I'm pro- all probably all of them except for envy. I don't really struggle with that, but like, isn't that one of them? Oh my god, I struggle like that is the one that's gonna send me to hell. Jealousy, yes. We have different things because, like, I think, like, I don't think that you struggle with like some a lot of the some of the ones that I struggle with really hard, but like, I don't struggle with that one. So, yeah, I don't struggle with greed or gluttony, but envy, pride, wrath. Oh, I got some. I got some. See, I don't struggle with wrath, but like, I have like a binge eating disorder issue, so I guess gluttony is a problem. Yeah. Oh my god, like. Literally, Connor and I talked about it, and you know, people ask that question like, "Do you think I could be a, a killer or a serial killer? Could I do terrible things?" Oh, one thousand percent, I have that deep wrath in me. Absolutely. I was reading about this serial killer in Italy that was a woman, and she created this poison that could kill in four drops, and she would give it to women who wanted to kill their abusive spouses as like a tonic like she would sell it as like a beauty elixir or like a health aid and she only got caught because this woman got cold feet and ratted her out and they tortured her and oh man yeah yeah that would be me though like i would i would go and kill pedophiles oh my god would i torture the hell out of them hells yes let's see i would probably go for pride which is so weird because like i hate myself but also have a god complex so pride (laughs) (sighs) greed i don't know about greed like i don't have i would give like I don't have a shit ton of money for sure, but like if we started raking in the money, I think the more money you end up, like the more money you make, the worse that gets. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna put that on the back burner. <laughs> Lust, I don't know. We'll put that on the back burner too. I think I think it's healthy amount. I don't think that it's like yeah, but then it's like in the case of religion, what is a healthy amount? Because I agree. I feel like my if, lust if isn't you, a healthy amount. If you set me free and adam driver was like absolutely lust envy no gluttony yes wrath no and sloth yes so yeah i guess send me down you know right Hmm. we could probably do a whole episode on seven deadly sins that would probably be a fun one okay i'm writing it down that would be so much fun i love the seven deadly sins they're like my favorite i don't know what exactly we talk about but like i'm sure we could figure stuff out well, that was part of what we could have fucking talked about. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can go into more detail, but our yeah. own seven deadly sins. We can probably <laughs> ask people too, like if you Ooh, yeah. were going to go to hell for one of the seven deadly sins, what would it be and why? Yes. I like that. I like that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> going back to stigmata, I have one more. So Father James Bruce. There have only been three known stigmatic priests in the 20th century, and Father James Bruce is one of them. Bruce's journey into the world of stigmatics began in November 1991, a recent one, when while at his parents' home, he realized that their religious statues would weep water from their eyes when he entered the room. It began with just one statue, Our Lady of Grace, and then any religious statue he was around would begin to weep. It is thought by Bruce and his followers that thousands of statues wept in his presence. The day after Christmas of the same year, however, Bruce knew something was changing in his spiritual life. He began to complain of sharp pains in his wrists. Shortly after he... Ex- Ooh, in the wrists. Yeah, he, no, he got yes. it right. Shortly after he experienced this pain, blood began to seep from the unbroken skin on his wrists, feet, and his right side. 
Bruce had been blessed with the stigmata, the wounds of Christ. Along with his newfound stigmatic marks, Bruce also claimed to be able to heal both spiritual and physically. The stigmata brought him the power to patch up the people in his congregation, but more importantly to Bruce, the influence of the stigmata brought him the power to bring more people back to the church. Through the stigmata for Bruce had great power and allowed him to be on a higher level spiritually. The Diocesan Chancery in Virginia did not make any claims about the authenticity of the stigmata, and because there wasn't an obvious religious message attached to Bruce receiving the stigmata, they were not willing to put out any ecclesiastical declarations about the situation. Was it an elaborate hoax to bring in believers, or was it a real case of stigmata? If you're doing a hoax to bring in believers, you're the literal worst kind of person. <laughs> if the diocese can't make a claim to its authenticity, neither can average people. So, yeah. The picture is like these tiny, look, they could be mosquito bites on his wrist. Oh my God. That's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> okay, but he got the wrist. Okay, maybe, 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 maybe. He's committed. <laughs> he did his research. Yeah. He said it's wrist, not hand, people. Sit <laughs> with it. All right. Teresa Musco was born in Castera, Italy on June 7th, 1943. Growing with, up with an abusive father and during the chaotic time of World War II, Musco and her family were often left without food, necessities, and moral guidance. However, Teresa proved stronger than the rest. She was often called mature for her age and was extremely devoted to Jesus in prayer. At age five, Teresa had her first vision of the Virgin Mary. After having been struck by her father, Teresa saw the Virgin Mary come to her and explain that her father meant no harm from the beating. <laughs> the Virgin Mary apparently condones child abuse. Cool, cool. No, no it's all right. It's all right. Yep. I mean, she literally, I'm assuming got smacked in the head so hard she fucking <laughs> saw for Virgin Mary, but it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> The Virgin Mary continued to visit Teresa regularly, but then another player came in, Jesus. Jesus asked her if she loved him. Typical man. And Teresa answered yes. Jesus then said to Teresa personally that he loved her so much that he would be willing to be crucified again just for her. Apparently, holy figures really loved Teresa, for in 1950, Teresa was visited by uh, Padre Pio, who Amanda just talked about. And he told her she'd one day look like him, and then proceeded to show Teresa his stigmatic wounds. Years of hardship and pain continued to plague Teresa, but she maintained her devout lifestyle and her love for Jesus. In October 1968, however, Teresa wept because of the pain in her hands and feet. Alone in her room, a tall man entered unexpectedly, and she said, I shall leave you my wounds. Do you want to follow me? Teresa again exclaimed yes, and then when she was spiritually crucified. On Holy Thursday, 1969, the Virgin Mary came to her all in black and told Teresa, My beloved son desired to give you his wounds. At that point, Teresa had a full-blown stigmata episode, complete with bloody hands and feet and a deep pain in her heart. She then went into an ecstatic state and awoke from it, bearing the marks of the crown of thorns, which she supposedly took from Jesus firsthand during her ecstatic episode. Bearing the stigmata for years, Teresa was also prone to causing statues and holy pictures to weep blood. Teresa claimed that the sin of humanity was too much to bear and caused her great sadness, which was reflected in the weeping effigies. Teresa, what if she just, like, was walking along, like, talking to somebody in just a random church, and then all of a sudden a fucking statue just started weeping, and she's just like, yeah, yeah, it just happens all the time. Don't even Don't worry, worry about it. it. <laughs> she just gets so used to it, like, whatever. 
Teresa suffered her whole life in both the natural and supernatural realm. Apparently, since Jesus was her super affectionate friend, he came to her and told her that she would suffer no more and that he was taking her away from this world. Teresa and Jesus decided she would leave the world at 33 years of age. August 19, 1976, Teresa succumbed to her illnesses at the time and did die at the prophesied age. Was Teresa actually visited by various holy entities, or was her troubled, hardship-riddled life to blame for her visions? Hmm. I think it's interesting that it's another 33, which I'm pretty sure was when Jesus died. Yeah, it was like 32 sure. or 33, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Interesting, interesting. So those are all like the older ones, obviously, like the one from the 90s was fairly recent, but there's one from 2016. And I'm going to read this article from the BBC. So there's this woman that claimed. I'm sorry. You're laughing? Oh, no. I thoroughly believe this is a hoax, but she's sitting here for this interview and she's got this like red stain on her shirt. And I, I just, I'm sorry. Uh, it looked like she got like fruit punch on it i told you <laughs> she fucking got messy while drinking uh, kool-aid well because if it was constantly bleeding you know what i mean like it would just get bigger and bigger and bigger i don't know but all right it's like pink <laughs> right <laughs> so this woman 23 says bleeding wounds appeared on her body while she was at church on good friday her story widely covered in the largely christian country has triggered a national debate and even comment from the prime minister Stigmata are marked, blah, blah, blah. We know what stigmata are. Ms. Apopo said that the wounds appeared on her palms, feet, and forehead. See? The palms. Though, here's the problem. Uh-huh. And her side <laughs> while she was performing as Jesus Christ in a church play reenacting the crucifixion. Footage of her at the church broadcast on television shows what appears to be blood running down her arms and later emerging from her side. In a subsequent television interview with TV One Samoa, she claimed to be spontaneously bleeding while on camera. The station said it could not independently verify her claim. And then if you keep scrolling, you can see the palms of her hands, Kristen. And her feet mm-hmm. and her head and her walking with a cross. Yeah. I'm just another human being, but my body has been used as a reminder because God knows the faith of his servants are dying. She said, (laughs) she said in the interview, also claiming she had a sickness for the past three years, which caused her to have visions. Her church, the Congregational Christian Church of Samoa, told the BBC that if it really was stigmata, it would be a unique occurrence. No kidding. Stigmata is not part of the Reformed tradition of which CCCS is a part. We are therefore undertaking our own investigation into the matter, said the General Secretary, who added that the church would release a statement later. Her story has been greeted with both skepticism and joy in Samoa. Some, including the country's Catholic prime minister, have called it a miracle. He was quoted saying, we should be happy about these events. If it happens to someone, it means they are holy. Others, however, have accused her of manufacturing a hoax. Still can't get over this. Those are inflicted wounds. She needs medical attention and counseling. (laughs) That's someone. One reason for the split in opinion may be that Samoans are Protestant Christians, while stigmata has mostly been a Catholic phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So this is dividing the entire country, someone said, and the Catholic Church has been taking care of her. They have held a mass for her, and there have been villages who have invited her as they want to meet and touch her. But there are other churches who are warning people not to believe it, saying this is the work of the devil. Some people say she was possessed by an old boyfriend spirit. 
So, you know, another possible explanation for the case was psychosomatic, that intensity of identification where young women or men identify with Jesus to an extreme degree. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, she she has crazy eyes. Like, she looks like a crazy person. You know what I mean? Just, like, looking at somebody's face. I mean, looking at the wounds on her palms, like, again, they're on the palms, not where you would, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know. They don't look very woundy. They look like she got some lipstick on there. (laughs) Let's see. I'm going to... The one on her feet totally looks like nail polish. Like, oh my god. It looks like the same nail polish she has on! (laughs) She just dropped some... Freaking A! Let's see. There's more nail polish on her head. I don't know. Let's see. Oh, there's something in court now. Hold on, I'm reading something. Yep, that's been translated. I don't know what it says. <clears throat> yeah, there wasn't really an update afterwards. If you Google it, there's not really much. You can watch things on YouTube and stuff, but yeah, there's not much that... There was a fear of violence over it, apparently. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all, you know. Other than that, I there wasn't, haven't really been any, like, major public claims in recent years. And I think that's because it's so easy to disprove. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go and you're like, those are, that's fucking not that's marker you know like literally i'm looking at one and yeah it's like she's got some on her nose and it's like girl you you got it in the wrong spot that's makeup you you messed up you You should go uh fix that you got that from spirit halloween (laughs) interesting yeah if anybody wants to google images i just put in samoa stigmata and looked at images and she's all over the place yeah interesting I mean, I want to believe in this stuff so bad, but then people just ruin it. Stigmata especially, though, that's a, like a, um, oh, Samoa Supreme Court, here's 700,000 Stigmata Girl lawsuit against the observer. The hearing of a 700,000 lawsuit brought by Reverend by a Reverend and his daughter against the Samoa Observer was held in the Supreme Court yesterday. They maintain she is carrying the marks of Jesus Christ, so basically they're suing the Observer. Stop this madness is what the Observer said and they sued him. <laughs> huh. You know, I just I feel like it's hard to sue I mean, you know, I get that if those are your true beliefs and then somebody saying that you're lying, it that's hard. To, yeah, I don't know. Well, I want to see the bottom of your feet. Right. 
the top is or does it does it go all the way through isn't that the whole the whole gig you know no it's just nail polish she just painted that shit up <laughs> but nobody is gonna check that is that rude be like let me stick my hand through the hole <laughs> i mean there's there's pictures and the images of somebody touching her head i don't know but it also still looks like nail polish which would feel raised and bumpy so would you really freak out i don't know I don't know, man. That's interesting, I guess. I don't know. There's nothing really recent about her, though. Like, in recent years. The last one was, like, 2017, which was only a year after. So, I wonder what happened to her. Did she bleed out from her wounds? We'll never know. Are we going <laughs> to get sued? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Did she die of a nail polish asphyxiation? Probably. Probably. You know. We'll let you know if we hear an update <laughs> or if we're going to court in Sonola. Right. We'll just never hear from us again. <laughs> we don't have any money, so. Exactly. That being said, we can join Patreon at patreon.com slash the Exorcisters <laughs> podcast to support our legal fees. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, stay creepy. 